0: Today's reading comes from Ephesians 5, 15 to 33. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is God's word.
1: Amen. You can be seated, fam. Thank you, Jenny. I was, uh... Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. Guide it. Free us. Take away anything that would um, be a filter or hinder us from hearing from you, including me. Lead my tongue. Free your people to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, was, uh, I, I grew up in Cleveland, and in Cleveland we went to this store called Value City. Uh, And Value City was the spot every year that you went to to go do all your school shopping before the school year because Value City had layaway. (laughs) Layaway is this, this thing where you can like go get all your stuff that you want. They'll put it away in a little, like, place in the store, and you can just pay on it over time. And so every year, I would go get a brand-new book bag from Value City, and my brand-new book bag would be, like, $10. And I'm like, this is amazing, new book bag. And then my wife and I got married, and she opened me up into this other world, this world called, like, REI. I saw a book bag... Or maybe it wasn't a book bag. Maybe it was a camping bag. That was like $300, $400. I, I, was, I was blown away that, a, that something you put on your shoulders could cost that much. And so I started talking with the brother. What, why does it cost so much? And he's like, hey. It, well, lifetime guarantee, true. Bring it back if you have any issues. But the, the journey that you go on, You need a bag that's durable enough and can handle the equipment that you need to make sure you live. This this isn't like, you know, uh, a little backpack you can go get from the, the, the Revco or the CVS down the street. This is something that if you are out in life, in the wilderness, out away from help, it will help you to be able to live, to survive. And so, family, today as we are getting into God's Word, we're going to look at some ways in which God kind of fills our backpack, if you will, with survival tools. He fills us with the needed essentials for being able to do life well. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We're in our series of walking in a manner worthy of our calling And in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start at verse 15, but I want to remind you of the different equipment that God has given us, has filled our backpack thus far as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, starting in in chapter 4. Got that list there, brother, where he starts, he says, he, he gives us the ability to be humble, the ability to be gentle, to be patient with one, or to, with one another, To bear with one another in love, that means when you and I disagree and I get on your nerves, that he gives you the strength and ability to respond to me in love. He gives us the ability to maintain the bond of peace, speak truth in love, to build each other up in love, to resist the temptations of the world and not be greedy, to not sin when we get angry to be generous and not steal, to be kind. He gives us the equipment that we need for survival in our ability to forgive one another. He calls us to be imitators of God, and he tells us that in order to survive this walk, you got to know that I love you, that you're my beloved, that you are set apart for my purposes that that I want to keep you out of harm's way, so I'm giving you a a line direction of how to even engage sexually, how to use your tongue, how to be wise and discerning so you won't be deceived, And, and lastly, how to shine like that of Christ. He gives us and fills our backpack with characteristics and traits of himself. But then he... He he, he communicates clearly that you can have all those things, but some people may choose not to place them in their backpack, if you will. May choose not to tap into the beauty of the Spirit. So look with me starting in verse 15. We're going to go 15, starting with verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This brother named uh, Max Anderson wrote a commentary called the Holman New Testament Commentary. And he says that allowing the Holy Spirit to direct your behavior will result in mutual ministry flourishing and mutual submission. The the goal is that we would realize that God wants us all to be spirit-filled. And it's a little bit different than in Acts. In Acts, spirit-filled is like miracles and these amazing things that are totally counter to the normal way that the world operates. Here, spirit-filled means a direct influence of the Holy Spirit to lead and care for you. Being filled means that the Holy Spirit is guiding and leading and directing our every move, almost as if it's our compass. His brother named Anders says, this feeling is best understood as a command for the believer to yield oneself to the illuminating presence, to the convicting presence, and the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. As he works in our heart through his word, our lives are brought into conformity with The will of God. And so, how, what does it look like to be filled? Being filled is kind of fleshed out in four ways. It's it's fleshed out by speaking, encouraging words, it says here. It's fleshed out by singing songs and psalms. It's fleshed out by giving thanks. And it's fleshed out by submitting. By submitting. All four of these things point back to what it means to be filled. Speaking, encouraging words, singing songs, giving thanks, submitting. These are four basics of what it means to be filled. Uh, giving thanks is a, is, can be a, an, an interesting way of approaching a person. You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever had a person at work that uh, gets on your nerves a little bit, R- rub you the wrong way ju- just a little bit, and maybe it doesn't happen to you, it only happens to me. Oh, Jenny, you can't, nope, don't count. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it doesn't happen to you, but for me, what I can do is, I can already play out everything my, the person that gets on my nerves is going to say and do. I'm, I'm already in my head like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time I try to help, Gary got something to say. Way to go, Leon, being the goody two-shoes. Always got something to say. This time when Gary say something, Oh, I got him. Maybe you should help more, Mr. Gary. You know, it's all in my head. I got it played out whichever way. I, sh- I shouldn't have used you because his name's Gary. But you know what I'm saying. You, you, you run all the ways in your head of, of how they're going to behave and how. But as I've talked to friends who in the last year has gone through cutbacks in their jobs, have, have been a GM and now come to work and see their friends get escorted away and now they have two to three times the workload. Even that person that used to get on their nerves, they wish was there. You see, it's, it, it, there's a posture of being grateful for you, not necessarily because of who, what you do, but because of who you are. Because you're a child of God, because you're a believer, because you are a person that represents the image of God. And so being grateful for you and giving thanks is just a part of what it means to be filled. And so you, you don't hear people get kind of mad about like speaking words of encouragement. How, how dare that be an expectation of being filled by the spirit? We supposed to speak words of encouragement? No, nah, people cool with that. You don't ever hear someone say, we're supposed to sing songs all the time? I get tired of singing. It's not not that literal. It just means that the, the posture of praise should be flowing from us as people as we interact with one another. All right? So speaking words of encouragement, no drama. Singing, having posture of praise, no drama. Having an attitude of gratitude, no drama. Then we get to that last description submitting to one another that's that's the one we as people start to get hung up on that's the one that we as people begin to have a little bit of an issue that's the one that we as people begin to say what is the extent of this lord (laughs) and notice in this part we are only talking about the family There has been no distinction in any of the traits or any of the giftings that God has equipped us with as believers. There are foundational things that he has done. We just ran off a long list of being able to be able to forgive, being able to encourage. Uh, How long was that list? Being able to be humble, gentle, patient. All these things, submission and being able to submit to one another is one more of those traits. One more of those God-centered traits that he places within all of us. And if I can be honest, we don't like it. I'm going to tell you why we don't like it. We don't like it because of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> That's why we don't like it. If you might not know who he is, because back in the day when I was growing up, it was called WWF and Hulk Hogan was the, like, brand of the wrestling world. But now it's, like, WWE, and I don't know. Owen, can you help me know? Is there a, a, a really well-known wrestler? I don't know. Any of my youth? None of my, I don't know who's, okay. Who, who that? Yep, what she said. Um, <laughs> but 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 the idea of submission is introduced to us with the concept of two people who are really strong going at it, one forces the other to finally give in. Like, like a wrestling match, like a battle, and someone is stronger than the other, and now I'm going to make you submit. But that's not the biblical idea. That's not the the biblical concept of, of submission. The biblical concept of submission is first acknowledging that someone else may have an idea better than yours. First, that someone else may be an authority that's greater than you. First, that there is an authority greater than you. And it's God. That's why our submission is not out of pleasing one another. Our submission is out of reverence to who? To God. And that's why it says in verse 21 you're submitting to one another out of reverence to Jesus Christ. And so we are acknowledging first that He is the authority, He is in charge, and we submit unto Him. And so submission is expected because. The, the definition continues to kind of flesh it out with, with this concept of like, it's like, a, like an army, if you will. That there's an army that's ready to move forward with one leader directing the pace, directing the goals, directing the agenda. And that, that submission is not forced, but it is willingly offered, willingly given. To find a Christian who says, uh, and, and there were generations of this where we, we scared people into the kingdom, for some that worked. But for most, submission unto Jesus out of fear is not long-lasting. Submission to Jesus out of guilt is not long-lasting. Submission is a willing thing that we give what we say, Lord, you are in control. And then what God says is, huh? So you acknowledge I'm in control. Well, do you acknowledge that my spirit dwells within you? If so, then you acknowledge that my spirit dwells within someone else. And so now, as you are submitting to me, I also call you to submit to one another. And you're still revering me. You're still celebrating me. You still are worshiping me. Three places where being filled, and you don't need to bring it back, sis. Uh, three places where being filled can be really challenged. Marriage. Work. Kids. And so that's 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 how the rest of this chapter. It, 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 that's where Paul then takes takes us. He says, "Wait, I'm calling y'all to be submitting to God. I'm calling you to be filled. I'm calling you to submit to one another." Now, let me give you three tangible expressions of environments where you're called to do that. We not we don't have time to talk about all three today. But uh uh but today we're just going to talk about marriage. Next week we'll talk about, or next time, yeah, next week's Father's Day, the week after that we'll talk about um, in the home with children and work, workplaces in a fair way to describe the, the masters and slaves connection and relationship, uh, but do know that in, in that era and in that time, uh, slavery had no type of affiliation with the slavery that took place in America. So we'll be talking into it and getting into it, but just don't take your mind there. It, it is more of a, 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 more of a working relationship than the slavery of America. Everybody hear me? Amen. All right. And so what does it look like in marriage? Well, let's read on. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. We, we, we got to first detox and say, okay, submission, not bad word. Submission, not a bad word, because we just talked about being gentle wasn't a bad word, being encouraging, not a bad word, having a, a posture of praise, not a bad word. So it, submission can't be a bad word. And it definitely wasn't a bad word when we were called to submit to one another. That, that, that reverence to Christ was a submission of men and women to one another. Amen? Amen. So then in this first scenario that he uses of the three, he talks about marriage, and, and submission is one of those things that continues to model Christ's kingdom, that, that God has a beautiful order set out and a beautiful end goal set out, an end goal that he would be revered, he would be celebrated, and he would be worshipped even through how we engage with one another in our relationships And so, submission is, uh, submission ain't easy. It ain't easy for any of us. And it sounds like um, submission is more difficult for women, and I would say to a degree it is. Because in our past, men have used submission in an ungodly way. Submission has been used to dominate women, to silence women. Uh, Submission has been used in ways that have uh, really allowed the church not to experience the beauty that it should because marriages have not reflected the beautiful image that God has designed for it due to women being muted. But that's not what Paul was going for here. He actually is trying to show us that submission is just like any other trait, any other characteristic. When you came to Christ and you used to have a bad attitude and then God said, I want you to actually have an encouraging tongue. Was that easy? Was that transformation simple? Did you just start skipping around every day? Like, I'm so happy now, you know, like, like that It takes work. It is difficult. It is one more tool of sanctification where God uses something to make you look more like him, but he's refining you in the process. See, that's that's true for submission across the board, but it's also true for submission in marriage, And so we are called to submit to one another. Uh, women are called, or wives are called, not women, wives are called to submit to their husband. And I, I want you to know that this, this concept of submission is just like any other concept. It is one that is modeled first by Jesus. Look in Matthew 26, 39. Jesus says these words, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Submission. Jesus models everything that he calls us to be about and everything he calls us to do. And, and I, I I'm... I just wish that we could restart the way that this um, that this story has been told, because even even when we and and I am a person that believes that there's a clear communication that uh, a complementary approach to the home is biblical. I also believe that you can reflect Jesus Christ and be egalitarian. That those two things just mean that... I wish I didn't have... Those two, those two things just simply mean that, that there's a, a, an order by which you deem the way the home is structured. One, complementarian means that you see God speaking, then speaking to the husband, who then speaks to the wife. Okay? Egalitarian means that you see God speaking, then speaking to both the husband and wife equally as heads. okay? I align with the previous, but here, but here, that that really has nothing to do with this passage. Because this passage is founded on you. Sorry, make sure it records. This passage is founded on how people love, care for, and display the fruit of God with one another. The relationship struggles that I see, I've never had a couple come to us like, I'm being gracious to him. I'm being kind to her. I'm being thoughtful to him. I'm being kind to her. The problem is we're struggling whether we're complementarian or egalitarian. That ain't our issue. When, we, when, we get, when that's the case, I'll take that all day. Our issue is, Lord, can I come to this marriage or can I be in this marriage and actually wear the equipment that you've given me and show reverence by demonstrating that you are my God and I'm going to love this person the way that, that you call me to love them by extending grace, forgiveness, love, kindness, and submission. And if because you see submission and in, 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 in it's saying it to the wife, if you negate that previous to it getting to the wife, it's called, we're called to submit to one another, then brothers, you have selective reading. Because God's word clearly says it is a part of the covenant community to be submitting to one another. But the man does not get out of submission. It doesn't. It doesn't. Oh, my sister. Oh my sister. Yep. Yes, you definitely do, because God speaks directly to you as a single person. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Great. Great question. Yep. So you're saying? I'm just make sure I understand your question. Hey, it seems like we hold to a really uh, tight interpretation of the marriage portion, but when we get to the slaves portion, it's a it seems more loose. And how do you reconcile those two things? Great. So what I would say is um, I hold to a tight understanding of both because with the, the best way that I can be faithful to the text for you all is to say what was taking place in culture at that time, understand that theme, and say how does that theme apply to us today? I do that with uh, slaves. I'm going to do that with children. And I'm going to do that with marriage. And uh, and the theme that I'm seeing, which dominates all of this, and we, we'll get to it in this sermon, is actually not one of submission. It's one of love. It's not, it's not a, a dominant of, of even man, you better make sure you're submitting to Christ, man, make sure you're... It's actually one that's, that's couched in love. And if our focus in how our marriages take place, which is our biggest issue today, our biggest issue is not who's in charge of the home. Our biggest issue is how do we love one another? If we can excel and we can thrive and we can do great in that, then I will work with you on applying egalitarian and complementarian. You know my position, but I don't hold it enough that I would let let your expression of love dominate a position. And so husbands, verse 25, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing. You know what? Let me pause. I think what happens with this text, which is unique to a lot of different passages that we read, unique to this text is we open the Bible and we start reading about marriage at verse 21. We start reading about marriage at verse 21, which is very problematic. When God is saying, I'm equipping you, I'm helping you, I'm showing you what I want you to be about, I'm giving you all these things so that when you get to verse 21, you already have an expectation of my standards. You submit in all these other realms of your life. You don't talk that way to your boss. You barely even talk that way to your friends, and you're going to say that to your spouse? Man? Woman? You see, if, if we can be honest, our struggle is not who's in charge. Our struggle is that we don't want God in charge. We want to be in control of our marriage, and we let our control leak over into what we expect of our spouse. So now we've put unhealthy, unsafe, ungodly expectations on them, and usually those expectations are higher than what we're willing to ascribe to ourselves. So let us look back at verses 1 through 20. And let that gird us and get us right, get our minds right. It's like get your stinking, thinking gone. So when you even start to come into marriage, you're like, oh yeah, I hate submission. <laughs> I get it. Bless your sister, I get it. But this is one more godly thing he's growing in me to be able to bring him glory. Verse 25 For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Love, love, love. As as a husband, you are called to love your wife well. Love your wife well. Your love is to create an environment by which submission is not as hard as it already naturally is, because of Genesis 3. Submission is hard because of sin. Submission is hard because we rejected God. Submission is hard because it's one more thing that God is going to use to, to sanctify us. But brothers, don't make it harder. Let's let us not make it more difficult. By in addition to asking a a wife to submit, we also are asking you to submit to a brother who doesn't show you love. We are supposed to show love like Christ showed love for the church, that he would live sacrificially. But, but, But my job, your job, a husband's job is not to sanctify his wife but to present his wife unto Christ who is the sanctifier. And so my, my, our goal is to ask, man, what type of environment am I making for you to be able to flourish? What type of environment am I creating in our home for you to be able to flourish? And if I start to ask that question, I probably am going to need to submit to my wife. I'm probably going to need to submit. And brothers, I'll take, take one, take a lesson from me. I'm a guesser, right? I'll guess and be like, try to get it right. Like, All right, maybe this will be a blessing. Maybe this, I'm usually wrong. Just ask. ask the kids. It's okay. Ask, ask the kids. Well, I don't know. Just ask. Ask mama, wife, sweetie, what helps you flourish in our home? And then when she answers, now you got a, you got you got a, uh, uh, you got a submission complex you got to wrestle with. Do I do what I think is better, which is A, B, and C, because it achieves the goal and list that I have for achievement in our, or do I submit to what she said? See, submission doesn't stop with the woman because it's outlined in verse twenty-one. Submission is a part of the fabric of the home. It may not mean that in everything you get your way, or that you are the one determining all the vision. Da, 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 da. What it what it means, though, is man. There's got to be a posture of listening to one another and submitting and loving one another. And so, in the same way, husbands love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. That brother, um, Anders, in in his commentary, he said uh, that a man is to dedicate his life to the physical, emotional, and spiritual welfare of his wife. Following the example of Christ, he is to give his wife not only all that he has, but also all that he is. When a husband loves his wife so completely, the wife need never fear submission. Never fear submission. Verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This one is, uh, this one is, it's, 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 it's interesting because marriage is one of those things that you pray to God about, you trust God for, and then when he gives you a spouse, uh, the hope is that you're grateful but along the way, along the way, you can get to a point where you start second-guessing this gift. Where you start looking at this person. Sooner or later, this person does some stuff and hits your heart in a way where you like, Dang, Lord! I know the dress was looking beautiful. I know that suit was killing it, but... I, I, didn't, I didn't see this. I didn't, maybe I had kind of like a foggy look or was thinking about the honeymoon. I don't know, Lord, but I, I didn't see this coming. And I love that here, these verses are almost saying, look, the person you married is the person you with. Period. You've left your mom. You've left your dad. He's left his family. You have started a new. Period. And so now, what is that newness going to be built on? Will it be built on love and respect? Or will it be built on our personal preferences? On our personal desires? Will it be built on... That which we love and find unique to us, I I try to get my kids to 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 help me out with this. Um, so you're gonna see. There's definitely a difference between when Jenny helps create a um, a, a, a visi- visible representation of an illustration and when I do. But here we go. All right. So uh, if you can imagine, these are the. The the, the the foundations of marriage, all right? And it's basically me writing on these bricks all of those different elements on that first slide. Go back to that first one, James, with the long list. And it, oh yeah, you can scroll, yeah, bearing, maintaining, equipping, it's all of those, and go back and forth between, hook me up, yeah, between those and this, and, and family, what? What God is trying to do is say, you get a clean slate. You get a chance to start over. The day you say, I do, the baggage, the pain, and the hurt that you have experienced, that you bring into the relationship is real, but that I've equipped you and I filled you to live out these ways. I have given you an ability to walk a patient life, a forgiving life, a loving life. But but you ah but you You like this little house. This this this, this is your dimples. This is your communication style. This is this is a uh, the, the, the passions you have, the aspirations. These are the, the hopes you have. These are the ways that you like to be cared for. These are all the different preferences that are unique to your beautifully created image in God. This is your unique self. And sometimes what we do is because of our baggage and because of our drama and because of our issues, we inverse this. We actually, I can't do it right now because it fall. James, go to the, we actually want to build our foundation on our preferences, on our uniqueness, on, on our uh, uh, um, management styles, and, and the way we prefer to be cared for, and the way, but, but if you start with the foundation, if you start with Christ as your foundation, Christ is telling you what needs to be present, and that cuts across the board. None of this is unique. None of this gets to be optional. I don't get to say to my wife, well, I'll be forgiving, but you know a brother don't really like that patient stuff. You know what I'm saying? You, you know a brother in pay. We don't, we don't, we don't. And, and I don't want to make light of what we bring into marriage because we come with some stuff. Some of us have had some experiences that are not suitable for us to describe because there's young minds here. Some of us have had pain and some of us still are dealing with pain. I get that. But don't, don't, don't inverse, don't flip God's design of you being able to be a representation of Him. This whole chapter starts with him saying, imitate me, imitate me, be like me, do like me, love like me. And when we flip this on top, we want actually to say, no, Lord, I got a way that I want to love. Would you get my spouse in line with that? I got a way I want to be loved. Get my spice in line with that. God is saying, cool, we can go that route. Have you done these first? We can go that route. I want to care for you uniquely. Your gifts and abilities, I've given them to you. Do you operate like this first? And so family, I'm praying that we would be a church. We would be a family that encourages one another to have a solid foundation by which our marriages are built. And that we would model that so that those that are single would see what healthy marriages look like. So that those that are single can, can come and engage with us and see the struggle of sanctification, and how God grows us. I don't remember who I was talking to, but they was like, I don't remember my parents ever fighting. I'm like, I don't think that's good. I, I don't think that's healthy. I think you shouldn't be, you know, knocked down, dragged out in front of the kids, but they should see differences of opinion. Dad trying to bite his tongue as he wants to go there, but he's holding back, and mom growing in patience, and dang, I remember when I was five how mom acted. And look how mom acts now when I'm 10. Watch that sanctification process modeled for them. And we need to be a body that welcomes our amazing single people into that so that they too can be like, man, this dude looking cute. Let me see if he got some foundational aspects all up in him. Mm Mm-hmm. Let us be a family that's about this. And let us walk together in this. I've never heard another Christian say, how are you doing with submission? Not just another woman. Christian. This is a Christian trait. Hey, how are you doing with submission? Do you mean to God? Yeah. Do you mean to my wife? Yeah. Let us allow this to be a a beautiful trait that's, that's one, but it's not the dominant. And even in these, even in these verses, submission is mentioned in chapter 5 uh, about four times, five times, excuse me. But love is actually mentioned all 33. Because love dominates this entire chapter. It it, it overwhelms what it looks like to be filled with God, what it looks like to imitate God, and what it looks like to celebrate God through loving one another, revering him, and submitting well. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we, we confess that you are our all, and in order to love you, we must submit to you. Sometimes it's more difficult to submit to one another. But today, Lord, if there is anyone present that wants to love you and live for you and has not been submitting to your ways, but to their own, would you, Lord, do a work in their heart and let them know that they can receive your love, your care, your mercy today? And that submitting to you is the best choice that they could ever make. Let us learn, Lord, how to love one another well in marriage. I already know drama is coming this week because we're talking about how do we love each other well. So Satan is mad every time we reflect the beautiful Trinitarian love between the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Father. Every time we reflect that, Satan gets mad. And this week we've been equipped to do so. Help us to actually do it. That's what reverence is, It's being in awe of you and then acting on that awe. Help us to act out this love. Protect us, Lord, from the, from the enemy's ways that even when we leave here today, we won't leave going and arguing, but that we would leave encouraging one another, celebrating one another, and hopeful for what our marriage can look like fully in you. Give us a firm foundation. It's in Jesus' name we pray.